Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. And in this episode, we're going to hear from Dr. Sue Haywood, Director, HR Practice and Head People Officer at Business Sherpa Group, a management consulting company serving small and medium-sized businesses across Canada in the areas of HR, managed recruitment, bookkeeping, and complementary executive solutions, such as executive search and governance. She is also an assistant professor at the Smith School of Business at Queen's University. And Sue's career includes service with the Canadian Armed Forces and HR roles within healthcare, government and Fortune 500 companies. She serves on the HRPA Board of Directors. Oh, I should be really nice to Sue then, she's uh, volunteers with uh, Great Dane Rescue and is the proud mum of a preschooler. I also have a preschooler, it's a journey. Hey Sue, welcome to the show today. <laughs> Thanks, Bill, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, so just before we hit record, listeners, I did uh, just share the the audi- audience demographics with Sue and uh, um, it's you know US and Canada. And it's always lovely when we get a, a Canadian on the show. I'm a, I'm also a Canadian, despite my silly accent. Um, all right, let's get into it then. So um, yes. why don't we start by you taking a minute or two and, and introducing yourself to our listeners? Um, well, you know, instead of the sort of regular career bio, I've been one who's been fortunate enough to follow my passions. And so when opportunities have come up, uh, I've, I've jumped in and had a wonderful career of diverse experience. Basically, I am a problem solver. I love to, to go into an organization that has sticky issues and say, hey, you know, this is all the restrictions that you have, but here's all the opportunity and let's make this work. So consulting has been a wonderful journey for me. And uh yeah, it's just, it's it's a great way to kind of figure out, we all have limitations and how do we achieve excellence regardless of what obstacles are facing us? Let's get into the, the mission and the, the purpose of the Business Sherpa Group. Talk to me a bit about that mission and, and how it helps HR pros and leaders. Absolutely. It's a, you know, it's a really excellent business model where we help small, medium enterprise achieve peak performance through providing people and technology uh, and business management solutions. So what that means is we have an entire roster of brilliant experts from finance to manage recruitment to HR who can go in with a small business and say, you need a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And here's how to get you structured in a way where you have access to those experts as needed versus uh, trying to say you need to hire a suite of experts, which of course they can't afford. So it's really allowing them a model where they're able to tap into that expertise, both technology and um, human experts, uh, that we can automate all of the processes that none of us want to spend our time on and really focus on those meaty things that will help that business be successful. So can you maybe share a little bit about Business Sherpa Group's hybrid technology-driven approach then uh, to, to, to HR, which includes, I believe, blending automated platforms with expert advice from, from your strategic team. Absolutely. So, for example, our HR solution, uh, Embark HR, is a way that we can automate a lot of the, some of the functions of an HR, well, all of the functions of an HRIS, but a lot more. Uh, So it's an HR information system. We can track employee information. We can do payroll. We can do onboarding. We can do all of those things that, uh, you know, a standard HR uh, IS system could do. But on top of that, we also include 
back-end consulting, and we do all the administration for companies. So if you are a small company and saying, you know, I could do this service, but then I still need a person to uh, input that data and to know what they're doing, we take all of that off their, their hands, automate it so that they can use their resources to focus on what it is their business do, does best, which very often is not payroll entry. Uh, we'll take all of that for them, scheduling, time, uh, performance management, onboarding, and do it for them so that they can really invest in their business. And your team's goal, Sue, is to help uh, small and medium-sized enterprises have have access to to that same level of expertise and and support that normally only large organisations can afford. And good for you, uh, as a, as an owner of a very small business, I I, I can appreciate that. Tell me about how you how your tap on tap off model enables that. Yeah, well, we recognize that particularly in Canada, small medium enterprises are actually what drive our economy. We want to help entrepreneurs achieve their goals, whether it's to be a five person company and stay that size or if it's to grow. Uh, we help them you know, uh, manage storms such as the, the pandemic. What's the best way through it? What's the long term strategy that they need? And so we're there when they when we when they need us. And they're also able to say, hey, you know what? Things are going really well right now. I'll check in with you guys in a few months and they can just stop the service, come back anytime. Uh, it's it's a really great model that they're able to access the help when they need it, when they want to talk through something, when they need a strategic plan. And then when they're able to operate on their own without that expertise, they can pause, come back again when they need us. So would you say that one of the biggest challenges facing uh, HR pros in, in smaller organizations is is just lack of access to to tools that the bigger guys get to use as a general rule and and i guess as part of that maybe lack of education that there are tools there are systems that there are people like you out there um that, that can work with them and, and help them achieve at the same levels as the big guys absolutely i mean one of the big advantages of being a large company is that you would have an hr department it's not just one person there's many minds that can talk through problems uh, look at all sorts of options bring their own expertise and experiences together when if you're a small organization and hr is either not a function standalone or it's something that a person does in addition to their other duties they don't have access to all of that and so that's something that they can get from us is you know being able to tap into many many minds uh, of HR, many years of experience in HR, uh, the education, the the practices, and really get the best possible answer for their organization at an affordable price. As we record this interview today, we're 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 seeing the other side of the the, the huge peak of, of the Canadian Omicron wave, but you know. Uh, Canada's still very much in it right now, and and cities like Toronto have got the um, unenviable um, reputation of having more lockdown days than most cities around the world, for example. Um, with lockdowns and other restrictions, Sue, can, can come big numbers of people feeling isolated and, and unsupported. Why is it so important for, for employees to invest in mental health and wellness resources for their employees? Oh, fantastic question, Bill. Uh, the pandemic has been difficult on everyone, regardless of your situation. Yes, it's been more difficult uh, for some than others, but no one's enjoyed this this time, particularly with the, the lockdowns that we've experienced. But the other thing is, there have been positive things that have come out of the pandemic and realizations that, you know, I think we're always in the back of our minds, but have really come to the forefront. 
I haven't met a single person uh, during this pandemic who has said, hey, you know what? I really miss 14 hours a day at my desk in an office. It's made us realize that there's a lot of things to life that we're missing. And in some ways, the, the lockdown has been a form of absence makes the heart grow fonder. We realize when we are locked down, what is it we miss the most? And what we miss the most are those social connections. Uh, and so that's really where employers need to recognize if I want to have happy, engaged employees, I need to allow them to meet all of their needs in that social setting, both in the workplace and outside of the workplace. How can I structure the work? to maximize employees' efficiencies at the workplace while also making sure that they have the time to do the things that make them feel fulfilled as a person. Bringing that kind of back to your question about how does this affect, how is this affected in the pandemic is recognizing that employees are struggling having their, their needs met, regardless of whatever their needs are, uh, because of some of the restrictions. And, and a need to recognize that it's okay uh, to be struggling and to acknowledge that and to ask for help and for employers to also offer help and be accommodating for schedules. I have been so fortunate to be at BSG through this time. You know, as you mentioned, I, I, my son is currently four. So he was two when the pandemic hit. Um, I've had many lapses of where there's been no childcare, sporadic childcare. Um, he has attended many meetings. He's attended more university classes than most preschoolers. Um, and, you know, it's it hasn't been easy, but it's been so I've been so fortunate and so privileged to have an employer that recognizes, um, you know, the, the lack of choice available to people right now and, and how people are struggling with the pandemic and allowing me that, that ability to make it work, you know, to be accommodating, to flex my work hours, to you know, understand that there's like my son will always come first and allowing me an environment that allows me to be a mom, but also be uh, a really successful employee and leader in the organization. And so that's something we really strive to pass on to other organizations to recognize there's actually a financial benefit to organizations to uh, creating these types of environments. You can do a lot more with resources who feel respected and engaged than you can with resources who are tied to their desk at a specific schedule. So changing people's mindsets, recognizing that people have diverse needs, that employers can play a role in meeting those needs, uh, and that it actually is best for employee mental health and wellness, as well as the bottom line uh, for businesses. What have been some of the biggest challenges that your clients have faced since the start of the pandemic then in, in terms of retaining their talent or maybe having to cut staff numbers to keep afloat during the, the toughest months, which hopefully we're, we're through now. Can you, can you maybe share any, any use cases or any shout outs as part of that? Absolutely. I mean, yes, it's particularly organizations. We do support organizations in retail and, and food services, and they have really, really struggled. Uh, nothing to do with bad management, nothing to do with lack of planning. Uh, none of us saw this pandemic coming and then all of a sudden we're locked down. You can't have a sit down meal. You can't uh, open. There were times when we couldn't have uh, retail open the way we wanted. Um, you know, kudos to those organizations that were able to adapt and find a way to at least keep the business afloat because it was incredibly difficult. And all of those who really you know, had those difficult, open conversations with employees of let's see if we can find a way. Um, you know, there were organizations that did find a way to pay their employees a portion you know, through things like job sharing and taking advantage of some of the government subsidies that were out there. Um, 
And those who couldn't uh, also had wonderful ways of connecting with employees to say, look, I can't afford to pay you, but I'm going to keep your benefits going while, while you're off. Uh, so you have access to mental health support. Um, I'm going to keep in touch and tell you about when we can, when we can come back. I think employees understand that this is a difficult time for employers, but there's still an expectation that employers will, you know, have that corporate that sense of corporate responsibility to, you know, care for employees and provide a positive environment for employees. And I think that in the future, we will see that the investment that companies made during the pandemic to care for their employees and, you know, to, to keep their employees as, you know, fully compensated and um, employed as possible will really yield huge benefits in terms of, you know, dedication, branding, um, recruitment, all of those things. Employees talk and there's a really have a sense of which employers have stepped up during the pandemics and perhaps which employers have not done as much. And I, I think that will really hurt those in the long run that haven't uh, done what they could for their employees. Yep, I agree. And um, uh, without sounding a bit too hard lying on it, Sue, that they've, they've had plenty of time now to get it right, um, to demonstrate their, their humility and, and to be authentic with their employees. And if they're still getting it wrong uh, in, in Q1 of 2022, then there's something perhaps more systemic with their company culture, their, their, their whole mission. Um, but who who am I to judge? I'm just a I'm just a pundit. I'm just a commentator. Oh, I think you've raised a brilliant point, Bill. And you're right. What happened in March 2020 was a knee jerk reaction. We, none of us had a choice. None of us were prepared for what happened uh, when the pandemic first hit. Companies did their best without information. There was trial and error. All of that is understandable. And I think all of that, nobody's holding them accountable for, hey, you should have handled March 2020 better. But you're absolutely right. Now, as we're coming close to March 2022, there's fully an expectation of you should have known it was going to be like this. And there's a lot of things you could have done in the last two years. Okay, so let's talk a bit about uh, compensation and benefits. Tra traditional incentives, Sue, and, and, and rewards, of course, they're, they're, they're just not enough for many employees today. Um, and that's part of this process that we've all seen over the last two years. What's what's working to attract and retain top talent during this great resignation, this, this big shift, whatever you want to call it? And, and maybe you can explain why. Sure. So, uh, you know, some of it we've already touched on that the, the pandemic made people realize what is it that I truly value in life and value about my work. Uh, again, nobody's that I've come across has been sitting there saying, I really want 14 hours a day back in the office. They like this flexibility. It's not that employees don't want to work hard. It's not that employees don't want to put in a full week's week of work, but the ability to flex your schedule, have, you know, um, hours that are not traditional office hours have really been beneficial for a lot of people. Again, I'm not saying that we have to force people to work odd hours, but giving people the flexibility to set their schedule. If you're someone who likes to work first thing in the morning, why shouldn't your workday be able to start 6, 7 a.m.? Uh, if you're someone who prefers to work in the evening, why shouldn't you be able to you know, do that work that's independent? It's really about doing this assessment of what work do we need to collaborate on and come together for and what work is best done independently and should be done on somebody else's schedule. The scheduling for most organizations, again, obviously, if you're retail or food service, you don't have this luxury. But for those organizations that do have choice, really only focus on those core collaboration activities that have to be, um, in a sense, you know, at, a, at a, a synchronous timing where everyone's online at the same time. 
things that people can do independently, they should be free to do that at their own pace and well, and their own, um, you know, circadian rhythm when they're most efficient. It's incredible the work that people can do uh, when it's at a time that's most convenient for them. They're far more efficient. They can do far more work in far fewer hours. So I think what really it comes down to is for this great resignation, people are in a sense fed up. The pandemic has made them realize that they do have choices that they didn't realize before. They There are things that they want from their work life that they never really considered before, but have now seen, you know what, I want to work from home. I like doing it this way. There are some benefits to the arrangements that we've had to uh, come up with during the pandemic. So really it comes down to employers can then, in order to be competitive, they have to compete on salary or they have to compete on culture. Now, obviously there's a little bit of both. Even if you have a fantastic culture, you're still gonna need to pay a fair wage. Uh, but you know, if you don't have that fantastic culture, you're going to be having to lead the market in compensation. And particularly for small organizations, that's not gonna be affordable. Okay, I just want to pick up on one thing that you mentioned sure. there, and that's that that's the flexibility of hours um, that, that that you that you encourage. I've I've heard that many times before on this show that that that's now very important to people. I mean, I've, I've been lucky to work for myself for a number of years where I do have that flexibility. But my personal experience, Sue, is sometimes I don't switch off, unfortunately, um, and I don't compartmentalize my 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 life in in a good enough fashion. I mean. I, that's changed a little bit for me since I've become a dad, okay, because your priorities change, of course. But do you ever have conversations with HR leaders about how how they can help their employees manage that work-life balance so that, yeah, okay, if they want to work at 7, 8 p.m. in the evening because that works better for them around their family commitments, for example, it, it, it doesn't, you know, seep through to one in the morning because they they, they got that 24-hour access to to their their emails and 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 to their colleagues and so on oh fantastic question and i think two things that you, you've highlighted that are so important one it's a journey it's something we all have to be conscious of every day is that need to you know have that balance and to to manage our hours and manage our you know just self-care it's not something you do once. It's a continuous, uh, needs to be a, a point of continuous focus. And I think that really comes into the, the leadership of a company. They have to lead by example. If you have leaders that are working excessive hours and are available all day and all night, it sets a poor example for employees and employees then feel obligated, morally obligated, even if policies and procedures say differently, um, to behave in a certain way. So we really need to make sure that leaders are demonstrating those behaviors and also that it's reinforced with company practices. If you're asking employees to track their time in terms of saying, well, I worked an hour this morning and then, you know, I went and got my hair done and I went out for lunch and, but I made up all this time after work and showing to the minute that even though they took time in the day, they made it up at night, you're actually reinforcing a lack of flexibility employers should be focusing on what is it your employees are achieving as opposed to at what time of the day did they do that work. So if you've set goals and objectives for your employees, that's what it is you should be monitoring. Have you done the expected level of work this week? It doesn't matter when you've done it. Um, really getting away from that. If I call you in the day, you need to be available. No, it's about if I need to speak to you in the day, I'm going to send you a message and say, hey, do you have any time to speak today? Because you may not. And recognizing that 
It's about uh, really focusing on the outputs of the organization. And that flexibility goes both ways. That also means managers need to be flexible of my employees may have a different work schedule than me. So we're going to need to coordinate when we meet, not have it as an expectation of a, a rapid response. So really shifting from, you know, I expect an email. We, we're all, we all got to a point that we expected rapid response with texts and emails and, hey, I sent somebody a text and they haven't got back to me in two hours. What's going on? We need to really change that mindset to know it's part of this um, balance and focusing on outputs is giving people that space and, you know, having a process to escalate. You know, I've seen companies that use if, if, if something's urgent, they put 911 in the title of the, the text or the email, or um, sometimes they'll use Teams or, uh, you know, email or Skype if it's not urgent and then text on a cell phone if it is urgent, coming up with a rhythm of, you know, how do you tell somebody that something's urgent and you do need them in shorter order and also using that judiciously? Uh, and how do you just have come up with a rhythm of we need to communicate, but some of that communication is going to be delayed and that's actually healthier, both from a mental health and wellness perspective, as well as from a company productivity perspective. I'm very sad to tell you this, Sue, uh, because I'm enjoying this chat. And uh, there, there are several other questions that I'd like to, I'd love to go into uh, with you today about, you know, for example, gaming the system and uh, what happens if, if you hire people to do parts of your job if you're working remotely and you can't be monitored for that. But we, we haven't got time. We haven't got time, I'm afraid. So um, to wrap up for today, uh, how, how can how can folk connect with you personally? So maybe through LinkedIn, maybe you're on Twitter, maybe you want to share your email address. And how, of course, can they learn more about all the cool things happening over at Business Sherpa Group? Absolutely. So easiest one is our website, which is businesssherpagroup.com. Uh, we are on LinkedIn, social media, as am I. Uh, Sue Haywood, love to connect to folks um, and really help them come up with the solutions that will best make them and their organization successful. Wonderful. Well, that just leads me to say for today, and I do feel like this won't be the last time you and I chat, um, but for today, Sue, thank you very much for being my guest on this episode of the HR Chat Show. It's my pleasure, Bill. Thanks so much for inviting me. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette. 